everybody. This is a opposing the matrix. Uh, sorry we're late, guys. Uh, it's uh, actually it's February third, two thousand and twenty. Uh, we had some technical difficulties that we had to overcome, but uh, thank God we overcame them. <clears throat> so tonight we have Eric and Jim. Hi, guys, and a special guest. Hey, hello. Yeah, hello. We, we have Rodney Matson with us. Hi, Rodney. Oh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, you're cutting out a little bit, but uh, maybe we can get by that. I'm kind of talking pretty loud because I don't know how this works. This is my wife's computer, so she was in here fiddling around with it because I know nothing about computers. Well, I think you're coming across really well, actually. So yeah, well, I'll yeah. keep my I'll keep my voice up. Okay, yeah, you're cutting out a little bit, and that might be because of some uh, speed issues or something like that. But we're up and running, and that's the important thing. So, um, so folks. Uh, uh, they, again, a thousand pardons for all the technical difficulties, but like I said, they've been overcome. And Rodney's here with us. And uh, Rodney, uh, I, I've been told you're a, you've been researching 50 years about a secret space program, and and I think that's very interesting. And we want to hear all about that today. So, um, Jim, if it's up to you, you know Rodney the best. So maybe if you wanted to orchestrate everything, um, I'll just leave it to you. Is that okay? Yeah, fine. All right, um, Rodney. Okay. Uh, maybe. You know, uh, maybe tell a little bit about yourself, um, a little bit of what you told me, really, basically, you know, where you're from, where you live now. Um, and people need, you know, they just need to know some of your background, what you've been doing, uh, investigating, researching, because I think you were really, really told me that you had been doing this even before I got saved. And that's like, um, wow, you know, dinosaurs are still walking around back then. So that's been a long time. At least in the, to the early '70s or something is, uh, yeah. I think what you told me. So, so I'm going to shut up and uh, just go ahead and introduce yourself and tell you, give them a little bit of your background and and stuff like that. Okay, my name is Rodney Matson, and I was born at Washington State University, where my dad worked as an electrical engineer. And uh, I moved from there when I was about 12 years old to Corvallis, Oregon, Oregon State University, where my dad worked in civil engineering. Go be. And before that, he worked for the Rockefeller Foundation, which later on I found out was not a good thing. <laughs> wow. And uh, actually, in back in the 60s, I used to always get the UFO reports. Always been interesting, uh, interested in what's out there. So um, early on, I got some like some information on Christian books, um, and I can't remember the name right now. Oh, John Weldon and uh, Zola Levitt yeah. put out a book around uh, 1977, in which I'd already been, you know into this stuff, reading books about it. I even went into the New Age bookstore. I, of course, I wouldn't check anything out, but I checked out like the Urantia report, the Urantia book. And and I also had the uh, the Keys of Enoch. And both of these are very New Age books, but they talk about ley lines and UFOs. And, and you know, that was in the early 70s. And then that uh, John Weldon and Zola Levitt book uh, was called UFOs, What on Earth is Going On? And they actually came out with the first idea that, of course, this is going to be a deception 
of the gods coming back to Earth. And, you know, I wondered about that for years. And then, of course, as soon as, like, the Internet came on, then all this stuff really started coming out. I, oh, before that, there was Stuart Best. He put out, uh, you know, the, the VCR tapes, and he had all kinds of information about Iron Mountain and UFOs and uh, basically this hidden agenda to um, basically uh, hide it from the public, especially the Christians, because, you know, Satan already has a rest. So if he can come back as these gods, they bring back their own Jesus, then a lot of people are going to fall for that because there's a lot of uh, pastors that have been put in high positions in the church that are actually working for the other side. So they're kind of getting us to this ecumenical movement where, you know, you can believe in Buddha or Krishna or whatever. And as long as you're a good person or, you know, then um, they're setting them up for this delusion. And I also want to say that there was uh, the beginning of the entry point for us being able to get this technology, of course, was with Tesla. But uh, J.P. Morgan and Edison took all of this information and basically wouldn't release it. But later on, they started sending the information to Germany because oh. they didn't care who won the war. So basically, when Germany, between the wars, they were ramping up all this new technology with all the best scientists. And, of course, they were using the occult because Satan is behind all this stuff anyway. He's the one that's been working behind the scenes before, probably before uh, Adam because as soon as Satan found out that there was Adam and that, that the fall came after that, then his plan was to be the Messiah that came back. Mm -hmm. If he couldn't stop the Messiah, he was going to be the Messiah that came back first. Right. So in Germany, they started up these programs using uh, psychics like uh, Maria Orsic, and they started channeling uh you could say demonic entities, but I think what they are is fallen angels because demonic entities are, are spirits. You know, they can inhabit a body, but these beings actually came in and worked alongside the German scientists. So I believe that these are fallen angels of different degrees. So uh, from from I, I'm kind of going our, our, through the story, but well, I want to stop right now. Yeah, I was going to I was going to say, right. you know, you you were telling me, you know, that to let you kind of steer you back on target because yeah. our audience is very familiar with all of this scenario, that mm -hmm. part anyway. Yeah, well, we're here. Let's let's focus back on the space program. Um, our audience yeah. is pretty well versed in paperclip and in uh, the origin of the other technologies, but. Um, okay. We need to know more about you. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> so if you can get back on that, just, uh, you know, um, you know, well, you. What you... I was leading up to was that before Paperclip came over here, we had spies over there. And that's where the secret space program really started was 
our side working against the Germans, and then later on the two sides came together with their technologies, and they started the whole uh, space program before NASA, and NASA was the cover-up. So anyway, uh, what do you want to know about me? Well, just, um, you know, your background as far as um, how you got saved when you became a Christian. Oh. um, You know, just... um, I'll tell where you, you um, where have you been and what you've done as far as any of the research, you know, any groundwork, any places you they've gone to do any, you know, like any shows witnessing, um, you know, just what have you done in this area of research on finding some realities about the uh, hidden space program? Okay, well. Okay, first I was saved when I was about six years old, and I know that sounds too early. No, no. But what happened in our family is we moved into a house that had witchcraft in it. And, of course, my family didn't believe in witchcraft. All I knew is I was being haunted and molested at a very young age. So I uh, was going to church, but I was going to with the little school kids. And I've always been more of an intellectual. I wanted to be with the parents. And plus, I was scared to death because I was being visited every night. So I went into with the with the adult classes to where I got to the point where I was told, basically, that we have authority over these beings. And I knew my parents were going to help me, and I didn't think anybody would believe me. So at six years old, I kicked these things out of my room. And from then on, I knew there was a God. Mm, Amen. That's cool. And, um, you know, all that I have done, I've done through books and video and research, whether I had to go to a New Age bookstore to find out what they were up to. And I think this is key because the New Agers, they know what's coming. It's the Christians that don't want to go there. It's like hands off. They've kind of thrown the baby out with the bathwater, haven't they? Yeah, they, you know, they'll go in and they'll check out uh, satanic ritual and sacrifices and the Illuminati. But when it comes to finding out the religion of the secret space program, which is the same religion as the New Agers that are contacting these entities. So these New Agers are contacting the entities and these same entities are contacting all the high level of the secret space program. Right. And if you're in the secret, secret space program and you say you're a Christian, they put you on a very low level of information. They'll only tell you so much. And that's why people like Steve Quayle have a lot of good information, but the generals or whoever they talk to, they're Christians. And so they don't really clue them in on the very best details of of what is coming. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Wow. Well, I I do know one Christian, and I'm not even going to say what department he's in, but he's a Christian. He knows so much. He's like the Christian version of Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. And they even know that he's in contact with other Christians, and they can't stop him. Um because he's so crucial and vital to what they're doing that he plays both ends. They know that he's doing it and they can't stop it. 
Now, my concern for him, though, is as soon as they, if he ever finds himself expendable, <laughs> they'll they'll get rid of him like a bad habit. But uh, yeah, but there are connections like that that um, that can be made. But I won't say anything more because uh, he's already in a very precarious position. But then, so you know, many of them are and. Um, it's good to know, and thanks for sharing. It's good to know that these, you know, that we do have a voice. We do have access into some of the highest levels to know mm-hmm. what's going on. But like you said, obviously, because of our faith, they're on the highest levels. They know exactly who they're dealing with, the God of this world. And, yeah. uh, you know, they're not going to let that known. The The Nazi way of doing everything was compartmentalization. Don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. Don't give anybody the big picture. Just you take care of your one little spot, and that's all you need to know. And well, so, you know who took over the CIA? The reason they created the CIA is that they brought the Nazis over here, and they liked the Nazi way of doing things so much that basically the CIA started off with mostly all Nazis. Right. It was the Reinhard Galen organization. Reinhard Galen was the highest Nazi officer in the Eastern Division Intelligence. And he came over and he says, hey, you know, you kind of like the way we uh, do things. Well, let me and my boys off of this uh, Nuremberg trial thing. We'll come over here and we'll help you set up the OSS to do the way things the way we do it. And so they they formed the Central Intelligence Agency, which is just a reformatted OSS. So, yeah, yeah, you know, we took the very uh, essence of the beast into ourselves. There's actually a scripture that says that too in Daniel uh, 11th chapter. So, anyways, let's let's start on the uh, space program now. Where, you know, let's start a little bit earlier again okay. because they put uh, von Braun in the rocketry division in NASA, so they would have this very prestigious man uh, looking like cutting-edge technology, all he was doing is revamping, you know, this uh, fossil fuel technology, which the Germans knew all along that they had to keep up, even towards the end of the war, they had to keep up the the look as if they were going to win with fossil fuel. But I think there was a decision later on that they might lose their technology because they didn't have enough this UFO um, armaments, because the hardest thing on a UFO was putting weapons on it, because they couldn't figure out, every time you shoot a weapon, it, it like had, had a, like a, a recoil. Right. So they decided right. that they were going to move everything down to Antarctica. And that's when, of course, Admiral Byrd went down there and thought, well, I'm going after these guys, you know, with with uh, bullets. And they came back. And by then, I guess they had some sort of a a, a ray gun. And it was probably uh, see a lot of the Tesla stuff was leaked over to the Germans. So they were able to incorporate some of that technology in into some of their UFOs. And so we were basically our ships were cut in half with uh, with ray guns when Admiral Byrd went down there to meet them. And of course they hushed the whole thing up because right after that, around 1947, they started the CIA up, and both sides were kind of working together and uh, you know sharing their plans. Now the secret space program went off in many different directions because just like with Germany, they were cart. 
visualizing everything. Well, they also did that over here, and they had different facilities, you know, like uh, 29 Palms, which was called like the San Diego base, and they had like Edwards and JPL, and everybody was like in different groups working on their own technology, and different programs were like assigned to the Air Force and then one to the Navy and uh, the Air Force, Navy, and the military. And so all of these started working on their own programs, and they all started improving their own programs in different ways. In other words, it wasn't one space program. There was a military, an Air Force, a Navy, and then out of that, the uh, international corporate conglomerate, which was basically all the rich men decided they were going to make a business out of this, and they had the deep pockets. So they started the most elite secret space program and then at during that time right about when it was branching off uh the nazis decided they didn't want to work with us at least a group of them and they actually started their own fleet with the most with like the antarctica uh spaceship uh base there they started their own fleet and they were the first ones to go to the moon and probably Oh, they say, some of them say they went there in the late 30s, but I think it was about uh, towards the end of the war, the Antarctic right. base had actually uh, gone to the moon. And, and interesting enough is that they retrofitted submarines because once they got the anti-gravitic properties together, they would take a submarine and they would retrofit it and they could take it wherever they wanted to because it was already uh, pressurized for like under the ocean. And it, it really surprised me because I actually saw a movie where they showed this happening, that they had they were using submarines and taking submarines, ocean submarines to the moon with this anti-gravitic uh, technology. Wow. And they uh, they set up a swastika on the dark side of the moon, and that was the first Nazi base, and it was right around the end of the war. That's what I think. Some of them say earlier, but I'm to be safe, I would say right around 1945 or 46, they already had a base on the moon. And here you get into the reptilians, and nobody wants to hear about the reptilians, but I think these are, are a group of the fallen angels. Right. I think uh, uh, when Ezekiel's ship came down, I think there was actually one of, it was, of them was a reptilian. And that uh, these are the ones that were working with the Nazis, and they're really nasty. There's, you know, and you hear about the tall whites, and they were working with the, with the Americans. And uh, there's a guy named William Tompkins who had a um, photographic memory. And he was the one that was receiving uh, the spies from the Nazi program, and they were writing down uh, all the information and all the, the schematics and all the sketches, and Tompkins would put the information together and send it to, like, JPL in different bases, where they started uh, – we started building our own, which we didn't – we were probably about 10 years behind the Nazis – and um, so we shared the base with the Nazis uh, probably uh, by the mid fifties, and then we then both systems went to Mars, 
and have bases on Mars. And see, what people don't realize is they say, well, you know, this is way beyond our technology. But if you remember back in the 70s, they were saying our technology is doubling every six years or something or every 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then about in the 80s, they said, well, it's doubling every three years. Well, if our technology is doubling, it's like cars? 10 times what it was back <laughs> in the 70s. Yeah. You know, so where is all this technology? Well, they have it, and they stopped talking about you know, our technology is doubling because all we have is you know faster cars that use the same fuel. We have computers and phones. And, of course, they love us to be on computers and phones because it just turns us to these mind-controlled drones. You know, we don't have anything else. We could have, we could have all this stuff. We could have free energy. You know, we could have, but see, that's how they enslave us is that we spend all of our money buying their products, heating our houses, driving our cars, paying for gasoline. And so they have us enslaved and dumbed down while they're out doing whatever they want. And it's just amazing. There's reports from people who have been to different star systems. And, you know, it's, it's hard to believe that. And, and the reason why I think there are many different genetic humanoid or non-humanoids out there is that, that we are told there's nothing new under the sun. So if they were doing it before the flood and they were doing it after the flood, and we know that they've been abducting people and that they have these underground labs and that they're splicing and cloning. The cloning has been going on since the 50s. And they've been cloning all kinds of different species together. So what stops them from cloning species together, taking them out to these different places within 20, 30 years? There's whole civilizations. So these people can go back and say, oh, yeah. And well, I come from Zeta Reticuli. You know, we've been living there for 20 years and there was people there before us. And this sets up the whole thing. It's like, well, we're not alone and we're not special, you know, because God wants us to be special. And of course, he created us in his own image and breathed into us. And that's what Satan hates the most. Right. So Satan, even before they were creating these things before the flood, as Steve Quayle says, there were civilizations before that. So why couldn't Satan be creating, genetically creating different species a hundred thousand years ago, putting them all out in space and just waiting for the day that they can come back and say, we, you know, we're the gods. You know, here's these uh, writings on these tablets. Here's the guy that they're talking about. You know, uh, Raw, um, Corey Good, uh, says that he has met Raw or the people that go by Raw. And they're like these blue avian creatures. And if you go to Egypt on their tablets, what do they have? They have a bird's head, a, a blue bird's head. And that was Raw. At least, I don't know if that was all the uh, pictures of him, but there's at least a several they have shown. Let me divert one thing here to get people's faiths up. Corey Good had been with these people since the early 80s or late 70s. He was a, 
basically brought into a program and brought through all these different uh, programs. And he was uh, a, a telepath. He, he was able to, he learned how to, but he had the natural ability of, of, of telepathy to be able to contact with these other beings that only spoken in telepathy. So they chose him. So he probably knows more than anybody about who these people are and what they see, what, uh, what they talk about, what they look like. Well, fairly early on, I will not really that early about, I, they say he actually may have served three 20 years and back. Now, we don't know because you can get pretty corrupted if you even do one twenty year and back. But what happened was that uh, he started getting attacked by demons. And you see, this is how you know that there's a difference between these beings and demons is in that he wasn't used to being attacked by demons. He was being attacked by these supernatural forces. And he didn't know what to do about it. And, of course, they're super – Secret space program isn't going to tell you Jesus is how you do it. But you see, his mother was a Christian. His mother says, why don't you just pray to Jesus? And he says, well, I don't know. And she says, all you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus can take care of it. If you really believe in Jesus to take care of it, just ask him to deliver you from these demons. And he can do it. So Corey said he... He meditated on it, and he, he got himself to really believe that Jesus could do it, and he prayed to Jesus, and they left. And then he had a testimony where he started telling people about Jesus, and nobody wanted to hear it, because you know, all these people are influenced by demonic entities. So I have a tape early on where he says, told the story about it, and then Corey... Uh, David Wilcox said everybody was complaining, says, don't mention the name of Jesus. Because we know that these entities don't even want to be in the same room. In fact, in these underground bunkers where they're working with like reptilians and stuff, they have to sign a contract that they never mention the name of Jesus, even in a cuss word. Wow. So you know these reptilians, they, they're fallen angels. They, they know that they're, they're doomed, so their only one hope is to make this presentation good enough that they can get the Christians. Because like I said, they've already got they've got the rest. So they have to hide this from the Christians. You have Corey Good saying, Jesus delivered me from demons. You know, they snuffed that right in the bud. You know, they don't want him talking about that. Right. So anyway, I'll, I'll, let, I'll leave it open for some more questions here because I'm, I'm getting a little bit over talky here. No, that's quite all right. It's like, you know, we're all um... – I think it's personally, I think it's a lot simpler. There's only one side, us and them. There's not all these different cabals and factions and everything. That is what Camelot and others like um, uh, David Woodcock is trying to promote, uh, that there's all these different uh, things going on. Now, it's true in our own departments, you know, the Navy and, and Air Force, they all had their separate programs uh, and developing, which is kind of funny because then they're competing rather than, uh, working together. It's exactly what the Nazis did too. But then this is, that's the core of all of it is centered around these guys. They're not out of business. I was watching, uh, uh, don't say his name, uh, Dave, but, uh, our buddy who, uh, was sounding a lot like what, what, uh, Rodney was talking about, um, uh, mm -hmm. from Roswell in those days. 
Um, you know, he's been harassed by a lot of demonic entities now. His wife is the uh, Wiccan. You know who I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, oh, same, you, you know, same Just kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I saw him on an Ancient Aliens episode the other day. And if you remember how he really ridiculed me in Roswell about the Nazi UFOs idea, now he's the official spokesperson, poster child for Nazi UFOs. He's trying to say that the Diglocka never worked. It failed. And America had improved and, and corrected it. Gee, I kind of think it worked since it sent Hans Kammler from April 1945 to Stevensonville, Texas, 2008. So I kind of think the thing worked pretty darn good. Yeah, I'll say. For a prototype. So, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of half-truths and mixes that are putting a spin on this the way they want it. It's the golden rule. Who makes the gold? He who has the gold makes the rules. And unfortunately, that's that's the way it is. So it's again, book, chapter, text, and verses, scripture. It you know, can clear, uh, it can clarify all of these questions up. So we have to go back and default. There's four main types of aliens. There's four main types of fallen angels. They both line up as identical. So if it looks like a duck and acts like a duck, it's probably a duck. And there's clarity there as to who is doing who, when, where, why, and how. But some of these technologies, they're uh, reflected through science fiction movies, aren't they, Rod? They're all, they're all, they make the movies because the higher-ups in the cabal, they talk to the military guys. There's a military guys that are assigned to the Hollywood guys, the certain directors that make the Star Wars movies, that even make the Star Trek movies. That was kind of wept our appetite but these people love to brag and they want to say that you know years down the road it's like look at this movie look what we were talking about look we had all this advanced technology you know you guys are fools down here and you know we were doing all these things like the movie contact they've got that machine which is almost a picture perfect uh view of uh, let's see what that what is that thing called? Let me look that up real quick. But anyway, while I'm looking that up, the Germans and uh, and even our guys found out that they actually got more technology made if they broke it down to different sections. They had one guy working on a type of propulsion, and and other places they'd be working on a different technology. And so the Germans had all these different places, and some places was advanced faster than others. Rather than putting everybody together, one guy has to be in charge. We had different Air Force bases, naval bases, and Army bases all working on different aspects of technology. And, and one would end up uh, growing faster than the others. And interesting enough, the Air Force didn't want to share with the Navy and the Navy didn't want to share with, with the Army. It's like they, they, there's this competition and pride thing going on. Right. Uh, of course, with the Germans, it's a little bit different because, you know, you, you better obey. But they still have all these different facilities working on different technologies to see, compete to see who could outdo the other underground bases and there's a lot of underground bases let's see 
the movie Contact was based on, I think it was Project uh, Looking Glass. Yeah, the mirror. Uh, yeah. The mirror idea. And that's that's another occult-based metaphysical thing turned more religion that has real technology sandwiched between a wrong premise and a wrong conclusion. So the mirroring is something of an occult um, thing. I learned that from Mark, uh, uh, Dave Flynn. And uh, mirroring is exactly the te- it's a t- piece of technology. Yeah. And uh, why don't you explain to it what, what that technology is? Right. Actually, Tell us- actually I, I don't know. I just report oh. back what these things. Uh, well, all we got do. is rumors. Yeah, all we got is rumors. We don't have conclusive yeah. proof. We can't hold this stuff in our hand and say this is the way it is. All we have is rumors. But, you know, Rod, take the time, if you can, learn about the two-slit experiment of quantum physics because it verifies so many things that are scriptural and biblical. And when you once you understand, they have to speak these things out before they do them. Yeah, that is an absolute have to. Now they can do it right in your face, bold, or they can do it without without you even knowing it. But they have to do it. This is their belief system. This is what they have to do to make it a reality. They have to speak it out. Now they also have to affirm and promote and all of their initiates to continue on by affirmation. So they also make symbolic um, representations affirming what has already been accomplished. Now the problem is that most conspiracy people are focused on all of those either coming or going. But unfortunately, if that's if you're not using the Bible as a balance and a stability for all of this, you don't know whether you're coming or going because you don't know whether this is an affirmation or whether this is a, a, a proclamation that is desired to be fulfilled. The only thing that can give you a balance is knowing book, chapter, text, and verse in the Bible will clearly enable you to know exactly what is going on. I mean, everything is in the Bible. So our concentrated effort ought to be, what do you have to say, Lord, on this? Where is it in your word? And you're going to find it. But people will, they, they're too hung up on the icing on the cake instead of the cake itself. And that's where you always get into troubles. And that's where you don't have a balance. So uh, the mirroring idea is that um somehow when you have two of these units together it it hooks in a permanent connection of space time where you can actually view the space time without actually traveling or being there but you can yeah. view it see what's going to possibly happen because it is a multiverse thing so you don't you know there again it it adds a lot of potential but potential that is not harnessed by anything within our mental framework to be able to know where you're coming or going. So the only one that does have an understanding of it is the enemy who's giving this out in the first place. So he's going to make sure that you never fully understand what you're seeing. So in a multiverse, which, you know, which possibility dimension are you looking at? One that, you know, might have never happened, but you're seeing it and it looks real. So it can be very deceiving, very, uh, you know, I've heard where they saw the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, yeah. um, where they had seen other events in history um, being played. But 
we're getting this from the enemy. You can't yeah. trust exactly you what you're seeing. Right. They're talking about timelines, you know. Uh, and what's interesting is that Area 51, I think, is the one that uh, invented that that machine. And then there's a, a machine that was up in Shasta called, I think, the Chronovisor, which is a little bit different. And then there was one of the, I think it might have been the Roswell crash, where they actually took the seat out. They sat a person in the seat. And all he'd have to do, like, take like a psychic, and all he'd have to do is think of a, of an, a time, space, area, a thought, either in the past or the future. And this thing hooked up to, you know, different mechanisms that they had or whatever would uh, actually create a portal where, where they could see into the future or the past just by using this the seat from the alien craft. Which basically the alien would sit in there and would have a thought and the ship would take them there immediately. And that's not, you know, it sounds amazing, but you know what? In a Cobra helicopter, the interfacing between chemical and electrical energy is such up to a point where um, the pilot can wear a special helmet and they've got mini guns hooked in. And with his mind, all he has to do is look in a direction, and those guns go exactly where he's looking and shoot. Yeah. And so, it's all by it's all by thought and looking. So the technology's there. Now, if yeah. the technology is there for this mirroring thing, and it's hooked into a seat, it's the same thing. It's just on a bigger scale, more elaborate, but it's, yeah. it's still the same functional thing. So what seems to be so amazingly alien and so far ahead, it's not. It's the technology's already here. We've already had it in lower levels of of, of progress, but um, it's There's not as magic. Exactly. Yes. So it's what's yeah. been done. It, you know, it, and I think because I used to believe it with six, we were here six thousand years, but evidently we are created in the image of God with the breath of God. But evidently there was other creations before that. And if you go back and back and back, this stuff is just reinventing. They're finding, you know, uh, uh, stuff in Antarctica that they say is a half a million years old that has even more advanced technology. And if you would take that seat and put it in the ship, I imagine that was the idea as you could get your ship there instead of just viewing where you're going. There's also another technology. You see, these technologies, and that's why they break them up into groups, it, they would come to a similar type of conclusion and actually have different type of time machines. They have one where they can put up these uh, pillars and they can create a stargate. They have another one that branched off of the Philadelphia experiment where that they could actually create time tunnels and they could uh, portal themselves, uh, and that's where this, like the jump gates and the jump chairs and the in the jump rooms. Uh, when they got good at doing it, first they would send like an animal or a camera or something. Later on, they started actually jumping people to Mars, and that's where this. Uh, I think his name is Biziago. Biziago. That's where. Yeah, yeah. So. Our you know, friend I, I thought that was absolutely nuts when I heard it. But who's to say? I mean, if they've got like four different type of 
Stargate, uh, jump gates, uh, uh, you know, and all these type of uh, mechanisms around the world, not just one. And obviously, there's got to be some truth to it. And Corey Good said that normally they took ships, you know, to Mars, and it would take like eight or nine hours. But he says if it was really important, they would just put you in a jump room. And you just be jumped from there to the base. But, you know, it evidently it took more money or you had to be really high level, it had to be really important to, to do it that way. So, I mean, this stuff sounds like science fiction. It, it sounds crazy. And it took me probably 30 years to say, OK, I believe it. You know, I've seen enough. I probably watched. 500 hours on the internet and read 500 hours of books and another 500 hours of VCR tapes, you know, back in the 70s and the 80s. And uh, and then, of course, you have to you really have to study what the David Wilcox and the Corey Goods and the uh, Randy Kramers and. And uh, Emery Smith is the newest one because he he's got like five different degrees. I mean, he is like super smart. He started off uh, dissecting these things and ended up actually working on spacecraft that was alive. They actually create living organisms that you can get into. They know who you are. They greet you and they just read your mind. They take you wherever you want to go. And that's, that's is the, the newest craft that I've heard of. It's an organism. I mean, you it basically, you talk to it and it's almost like it is a person. Wow. It's like an order of an angel. Um, yeah. Again, it's back, you know, you go back to the scriptures and it gives you a balance on all of this stuff. But, mm-hmm. uh, um, we have a friend, Gordy Tong, who is a, a UFOologist in, uh, Vancouver in Canada, and he took Basiago out to dinner and asked him, you know, questions about Project Phoenix and some of the other programs that he was uh, working in. And he told us, you know, told them, um, you know, that he was in Montauk, New York, at that facility there, and he would go there, and then they um, would teleport him to a place in Nevada, and then from Nevada they teleport him to Mars. And he said that uh, he knows that some of this isn't quite accurate or real because when they were supposedly on Mars, there was some alien being there that ripped one of his friends apart or ripped his arm off or something. Mm -hmm. And then to uh, in an emergency situation, they launched off a flare and the flare hit like a dome or something and it bounced back down. Well, when he said, I felt like I was in a holodeck like in Star Trek, it wasn't even real. And uh, he said that uh, when they were teleported back, his friend had no wounds, no arm, nothing was wrong. And um, everything was kind of, you know, back to a a normal situation. So he knew he wasn't really there. He said, my God, you know, some of this isn't even real. Now, on the other hand, there's a picture of him as a young boy at the Gettysburg Address. And he's yeah. wearing he's wearing uh, loose fit blue jeans and he's wearing high top um um nike style uh sneakers yeah this has not been able to be debunked it's mm-hmm. real so i mean you know we have 
the anomalous things there that shows that the technology is there. When they found they had a sealed room uh, that hadn't been opened in 1924, and it wasn't like it was it was just a room of old movies. It got forgotten and it was never opened. And then finally, through a death or somebody, somebody inherited it and they opened up the room. And hey, look at there's uh, Charlie Chaplin's uh, grand opening in 1924 of uh, some movie. So they sh they put it in the thing and watch the movie. And here's this man in drag as a woman with a flip phone walking by talking on the flip phone in 1924 nobody everybody's tried to debunk it nobody can because this thing had not been doctored up or anything it hadn't been touched or even known that it existed since 1924 when it when it came open so i mean you know these anomalous things are there um but you know the, again you have to default back to the bible the bible tells us clearly that it, it says in ecclesiastes that the things the former things are not known now, even as the things now will not be known to the world that will come. So that right there tells me, okay, there. the implication is before Adam and Eve, there was something else. But God's not telling us what it is. Yeah. If God's not telling us what it is, and he's not going to tell us what it is, then who is? Whoever it is, is giving us half-truths. You always got to have a certain element of truth to make the lie more um, creditable or viable, uh, acceptable, palatable, whatever you want to say, you know, there's going to be an element of, of truth. So when you hear legends of uh, Lilith or um, before, you know, Adam and Eve, there was Lilith, um, there might be an element of truth there, but God isn't telling us. So why would we even entertain or want to accept any of it or anything? Whenever anybody starts telling me they know about the world, pre-Adamic world, I go, you know what, ignoring you, not listening, that doesn't mean, like you said, there could be technology from, I mean, we're dealing with entities that are not bound by time, like you and I are, and we got to realize that. So there are things that maybe predate us that are being used as a weapon against us or against our faith. But that's where I say, okay, if it comes against us in a relationship with our Lord, God has it already addressed in the word. Our job and responsibility is to find it. He's yeah. going to show us and we can find the scripture so that we have a, a confidence in standing on a firm foundation against these lies. But these lies are intergalactic out of time, out of space. We can't think linear and think we're going to make logic out of any of this. We're not going to. Let, let me tell you something because, uh, you know, I have to always take David Wilcock and Corey Good and and these guys that are so wrapped up in the New Age part of it, and with with the uh, with the generals and the people in charge. I have to take that with a lot of grain of salt. But the two people that are actually even more critical or credible are the guys that are just the grunts. It's like um, Randy Kramer. He's just a military guy. He's on Mars, you know, battling uh, uh, reptil reptilians and and these. Uh, I guess you call them. Um, what are those like? Those uh, uh, those green bugs. Oh, the mantis type. The, man the mantis. Yeah. People. Okay. Now, right. 
his story doesn't come back with any new age stuff hardly at all. He's all about, you know, what kind of suit he wore, you know, uh, what these things were like, you know, how they fought, you know, some of the battles, how he was like torn apart and put on a, a machine and they grow his, all of his limbs back. And, uh, and then this other guy is Tony Rodriguez and he actually worked for the dark fleet. He act worked for the, the nasty guys. And when you see on uh, star Wars, you see the, the guys uh, dressed in black. They, that's the dark fleet. Those are the guys bragging about, you know, that we're the dark side of the force and we're going to defeat the light side of the force. And the light side of the force is basically us, the Americans, you know, the Alliance. And this stuff is really going on. Anyway, he worked kind for the of, Dark Force. Kind of like the black uniforms of the SS, the Order of the Black Sun. Exactly, because they are Nazis. Right. They are Nazis. And that's it's the same agenda. You know, same thing all the way through, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's those guys. They dress up, you know, basically as flashy Nazis. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, Tony Rodriguez was a slave. He was basically said, oh, you're going to... Uh, you know, work for the secret space program. And so they got him when he was young, just like all the rest, but they had plans to put him as just basically, uh, well, when they found out he didn't have a lot of good skills, basically they put him as a slave. He wore this shock collar around his neck like a dog the whole time he was there for the 17 years. He basically worked on a ship and did the grunt work, you know, uh, worked on pipes or, or uh, electrical units, or towards the end he worked uh, on the, the shipping section where he would drop off stuff, secret bases uh, on uh, on Earth, pick up stuff and bring him to bases on, and this is the weird part, different uh, star systems or, or, you know, Zeta Reticuli or, or whatever, you know, he was on one of those ships that actually went interstellar to different places, and he actually lived on. I think it was uh, Cirrus. I don't know where Cirrus is, but I, I, you know, I've heard it before. So you know, so I, I gather a lot of information. But like, even though there's schematics on how some of these time machine works, I try not to get into that. I try not to get into well, where is Cirrus, or you know, where is uh, the Pleiades? You know, the Pleiades, of course, we see in the sky every night, but I don't know where Zeta Reticuli or Cirrus is. But anyway, these guys do the grunt work, and they're not trying to sell you on a religion. So even though they don't have as much to say, you know, they can tell you what the ship looks like, how long it was, you know, uh, that there was Nazis on there that spoke German all the time. And that they treat like a dog. And if you even spoke to them without permission, they could kill you on the spot because that's how vain these people are. It's just like it's worse than Star Wars. He says it's worse than the people, the, the people in Star Wars, the, the dark side of the force. That's uh, now. What about, you know, there's some movies that suggest that uh, Jupiter and Saturn have something to do with space-time, uh, especially Saturn and its rings, that um, even going back to mythology and everything, there's connections there. But uh, there was several been several movies, more of a theme now. It's not just one or two movies. There's been quite a few movies about Io and about, um, oh, what's the other one, Titan. And it's very likely that and one is orbiting Jupiter, one is orbiting 
uh, Saturn. Both of them are gas giants. And what we're discovering is that these gas giants are not even actually solid. They're plasma energy. They're actually conduits for space-time. Now we're even, they're saying that the reason why we've never developed anything further than a, um, oh, what is that, um, shuttlecraft is because we discovered almost like portal openings that can take you, this is going to sound really crazy, that the, our sun is actually the center, is plasma energy, cool, soft, quiet energy. If you ever had a plasma ball, it's like a toy you can play with kids. I've got a bunch of them in my museum. Um, but there's an outer atmosphere of fire, and it's a consistent balance of plasma energy that's converted into this fire. But these portals can take you right through inside of that, and then it's almost like a hub where the sun is actually like a hub where you can launch from there to other places in other galaxies, other solar systems. Just yeah. totally crazy. And yet we do seem to have elements of technology that would fit that kind of that very scenario. And the reason why they've never developed anything further, you know, like some huge giant um, intergalactic ship that, you know, would incubate or keep people in a, a stasis for the length of time that it would take. Yeah. They don't need to because don't need they, to. Can, they can jump, hop, skip, you know, uh, SG uh, Stargate Atlantis or whatever. Yeah. It's, you know, They're this isn't. Just there really fiction. are there really are wormholes yep. Yep. that and they know where they are they know the entry point the exit point and as I guess on every planet there is some longitude a latitude to where uh, that you can jump from one planet to another to another and I think that, uh, in one of those uh, superhero movies they were talking about jumping. From one planet to the other, you know, and they're, they're telling us that for some reason, God has uh, put the ability to jump from one planet to another. Cause, you know, way back when this whole universe was made so that people don't have to get in a ship and go from one place to another is that there are actually wormholes that go from one planet to another. And I'm told that and Corey Good calls this, says this, is that they actually fly into the sun and they can pour, they can jump to a different solar system. Right. So, I right. mean, if God made it this way, and it seems like if he wanted past civilizations to be able to, to do this, why spend your whole life in a ship traveling when he made all these different areas, these wormholes where you can go from one planet to the others, have breakfast on Earth one day and, and lunch on Mars the next and, and jump from one to the other. Because evidently there was a huge planet that was between like Mars and Jupiter and it, it exploded and uh, it basically killed a lot of these planets or were once alive, you know, that they had inhabitants on them. So, um, you know, that's, of course, that's, that's all speculation, but obviously they're jumping from one place to another. And all these stargates here on Earth, I guess, would connect to whatever, uh, wormhole was, was out there. And, and so there was like many different stargates. And so before the Incas and, and the people in, uh, in, uh, you know, Mexico and Peru and over in where Turkey and Egypt is that they had stargates 
and they, you know, maybe they jumped to Mars because they're finding pyramids on Mars. So these civilizations had been sharing, you know, cultures for probably thousands of years. And then there was this massive war. And basically they're finding ruins under Mars and, and inside the moon where these civilizations just got decimated. Just, you know, extinction level event happened. And so basically maybe that's why God started over again uh, with man is to get a man that was after his image that basically wouldn't destroy everything. Well, it's interesting that, you know, um, we are told and given a hope and a promise that we will know even as we are known when we behold him face to face. Someday we're going to stand before Jesus. Someday we're going to be outside of time. We're going to be in a fourth dimensional realm out of space time and the light bulb goes off. All of a sudden we get it. We understand. We understand everything from God's perspective and we will know even as we are known. So it's going to be pretty incredible. But um, until that time, you know, yeah, there was something before and there's something after, yeah. but it's not for us to know. And if we try to pursue, we're only, it's only going to lead us into trouble. There's a certain element of faith that we just got to believe that uh, sufficient is the evil for the day thereof. I mean, it, you know, we got enough to handle just within ourselves right here, right now. If we put our trust and faith in the Lord, tomorrow's going to take care of itself. It's not our job to worry about it. It's not our job to run it. That's what God does. I think so, the Lord rose me up as a watchman to say, to, to let the people know that there's going to be a Messiah coming back and it's not going to be Jesus. Right. Because he says there's going to be this grand illusion with, you know, signs and wonders and great miracles calling fire down from heaven. And basically this man is going to show up and people are going to be dazzled by him. And I think that he's going to show up to save us in some upcoming war. And so I just want people to know, to realize that these things are out there. They're a threat. And, and it's going to be, this is the grand delusion. I want yeah. them to know that yep. this is the grand delusion that when these people come, don't fall for it. Cause this guy is going to be amazing. In fact, I go on this one uh, uh, site where these people have a lot of these dreams and visions. And of course, you have to take all that with grain of salt. But this one new ager was very high up. I mean, he was like a, she was like a bride of Satan. And she said that she met a Jesus. And she said that being in his presence was so overwhelming that she would just get on her face and just plead for mercy because of the majesty and the power. So you're seeing Satan preparing a Messiah that is going to be so amazing that people aren't going to believe it's evil because they're saying, oh, he's going to be from one of these Illuminati bloodlines or whatever. No, Satan's going to bring back somebody that's so shimmering and so glorious, whether it's him or, or one of these other archangels. People are going to believe this is the guy, and he's going to defeat the dark forces. Satan is setting up his own people to be destroyed from the yep. dark side so he can come in and being, be the, the savior of the world. Exactly. So people need to know that that's a possibility, you know. 
That's what I, I well, have you know, always felt that the Lord has been leading me to do that. And when we do get to heaven, uh, a lot of these people that have, have visited the Lord dreams and visions say that that not everybody is going to know everything at once. A lot of people are going to have to be like brought up to speed because you just it, it's going to be so overwhelming. So those people that are say the the prophets or or the leaders or the watchmen or whatever of these days the lord is going to reward those people with higher positions that they'll be like teachers and 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 leaders and stuff so it's it's important to do the best we can for the lord and and if my position is to bring forth this particular light even though i don't like it all the time because there's a lot of deception and evil involved and I have to do a lot of praying and we get attacked. We get attacked by by entities, you know, and that that's another thing is that the entities don't want us telling people that this thing's coming because it's supposed to be a big surprise. You know, it's supposed to take wipe everybody off their feet. The Christians aren't supposed to know any of this. And the people in the secret space program don't want anybody talking about Jesus. They don't want anybody knowing that there's a possibility that he's really the savior. And uh, those people up in the, in the secret space program in the new age, uh, they don't want to know anything about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, not the, they, they don't mind you knowing about a cosmic Jesus. They don't want you to believe in the Jesus of the Bible. So yeah, yeah the only way. See, us stubborn, stubborn Christians are going to say, it's he is the only way. There is no other God before him. And his blood purchased us from sins. And that cross was a the pivotal point in history. And all of these ancient beings know that. That's why they, they don't, can't right. stand the name of Jesus, yep. no matter how old they are in their traditions. They, they saw us being created. They hate us. They don't like us. And uh, so they're trying to keep it from any of this getting out. And so I know I have to be really careful. In fact, you know, if I was on a larger stage than this, I don't even know if I'd be talking yet because I'm not well enough known to be protected yet. Right. You know, these Corey Goods and David Wilcox and Emery Smith, they all get on a big stage so that if somebody takes them down, you know, that uh, they know, well, it's the bad guys did it, but nobody knows who I am. So uh, that's why I do this. I, I can do this on a small stage, but I can't do this on a larger stage because my not, life isn't worth anything to them. Right. Well, you could be a target. I, we've had some experience with being targets, haven't we, guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, ones. we're not exactly unknown either, are we? Is everyone listening out there? I'm a nobody. I'm not worth your time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're coming to get you. We're not going to lose. I love the promises. God keeps it simple. My sheep hear my voice. That's good enough for me. Exactly. Now, how much do we want to hear his voice? That's up to us. Um you want to allow God to form you, to let him be the Lord of your life and not just your fire insurance, then you get intimate with him. Don't know about him. Know him intimately. The more you know him intimately, the more you know clarity of his voice. 
the more that when you can have this shiny, sparkling piece of crap that's glittered with uh, all niceness on the outside, God shows you what's on the inside. You're going to have discernment. You're going to see it. You're going to smell a $3 bill when, you, when you're near it. And uh, it's not going to deceive you in one bit. But then again, it's up to your own free will. Uh, what do you choose? Those that are going to be willful ignorant, I'm talking Christians now. You're going to get, I guess, you know, cold cocked is what we used to call it. It's your blind side. You're going to get hit up the side of the head. You're not even going to know what hit you. And you're going to be shaken off of your foundation. You're going to be um, upset. And actually, you're reaping what you sowed. You didn't want to know the truth. You didn't want to find out uh, the ugly side of reality. You wanted to stay and take the blue pill and go back into the matrix and just yeah. live in la la land. Yeah. You can't live there. It's going to come back and bite you in the butt. You have to face, no matter how ugly the truth might be, you got to face it and be willing to fight it and to accept right. things. My God, some of the things that we've come to understand are nightmarish. You know, I mean, we can talk about it like it's almost normal amongst us, but you haven't seen us privately weeping, crying, begging God, why do I know this? Why should I? Is this real? Am I going mad? Is this crazy? Um, we've had, Rada, I think you can bear witness with me on this, can't you? I mean, we've had times where we're torn apart emotionally by what we've discovered. It's not easy. It's not fun. It hurts. That's right. It, it, te it took me a real. long time because it's, even though it's interesting and, and, and you have all the movies trying to glorify it, I know it's evil. It comes from the pit of hell and that these, I mean, there is like territorial spirits. I mean, they know what I'm up to. You know, I have to be very careful. I, it's not enough for me to pray every night. It's not enough for me to go to church. I have to walk in the spirit. I have to have the spirit where that every moment of the day, if I'm not like listening for God, he's going to wake me up real quick because I have to make little decisions every day, whether to walk the righteous path, to look the righteous way, or to look at something I shouldn't be looking at, or to go someplace I shouldn't be going. I have him living. He's made himself known to me, and especially my wife. She's the one that gets the dreams and visions. I'm the guy that didn't speak in tongues. I didn't get the dreams and visions. I think that the Lord did that so I wouldn't get all wrapped up in that part of it. That I, I'm the researcher. That's what the Lord wants me to do. So I kind of keep her and make sure she doesn't get off on her dreams and visions. You know, so she's so close to the Lord that she's she cries all the time. She gets she gets raptured up with the Lord and just just loves him so much. And and she's put it in me that I need to have a conscious awareness and a spiritual awareness of the Lord all the time, because there's things we shouldn't look at. There's places we shouldn't go. There's our, our thoughts. We need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And nobody can do that all the time, but that should be our goal during the day. Well, you know, as long as we're in this earth suit, we're going to be subject to the flesh, but, and we're not going to be sinless until we are completed in Christ with our glorified body standing before him. But until that time, we still have to work at being 
sinless. We're not going to be sinless. Yeah. But we have to work at sinning less. And when we're going and making forward progress, casting down imaginations, every thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The other one, uh-huh. there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able to handle, but will make a way for you to escape that you can bear it. So there's always an escape clause, too. There's always yeah. going to be a way out, whether it's, Lord, it, yeah. uh, I need you need to be the strong voice now. Look, I, you know, I'm... You know my heart. You know where I'm fluctuating right now. Help me snap out of it. Give me direction. Where's the escape route? Kind of like a Joseph thing. You know, just get up and run. Run away. Yeah. Get away from this situation. We should be producing fruit. Yes. And the things that 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 maybe didn't bother the Lord about our actions when we were new in Him. Every year He says, "Well, you know, I'm." I've never been pleased with that, you know, and and I really he wants you to progress. He wants you to get closer to him so that what may have not have been a sin a year ago, he's saying you're beyond that. You know, that's a sin to you now because I want you to become more righteous, more right like him, you know, every day so that I don't do things I did years ago. I don't say the things I said years ago. It's because he's cleaning us out. He's making, he's purifying us. And a lot of that has to do with my life is suffer. I suffered for 17 years with ulcerative colitis and it got worse and worse. 2014 or 15, uh, I basically went to the doctor and he says, you got two weeks to live. And I says, I don't think so. And he says, you're going to have to have an operation right now. I says, I'm too weak to have an operation. He says, if you don't have an operation, I, I tell you, you're going to die within two weeks. And I says, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we And so it. they sent me home with some medicine, you know, that was uh, actually what I was. I was in a lot of pain. And the reason I, my colon was constantly in pain, constantly bleeding. So they they gave me some some pain pills and they sent me home. And about two months later, I gained because I got down to 120 pounds from 250 down to 120. Mm-hmm. And they, they sent me home and they sent me, you know, with some pills to keep the pain down. And within two months, I gained almost all that. I was like up to 200 pounds in just a, like two or three months. And it's like the nurses were amazed. They go, you know, you're supposed to be dead. The doctor said that <laughs> we'd only be with you for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, we were supposed to just say when you die. And I says, I told the doctor I wasn't going to die because I have a higher purpose in this life. It was just a test. It was a test to see, you know, if I could get purified, if I would get, if I could stay righteous and holy unto the end, unto the death. So he put, he brought me right down to the last couple weeks to where basically my, my blood was, they said it was basically as if I had leukemia. Is that almost all the cells were deformed and dead. And so, I mean, I'm back. I'm healthy. And, uh, and a lot of that was just purifying me, you know, and I, I don't want anybody to be purified that, that bad. But a lot of people are. You'll find a lot of these people that are the holiest to the Lord went through some horrible experiences or, or uh, persecutions. And that, that's where 
it's almost like we're so protected over here. It's like we almost have to get sick because the people over in, in the, you know, the Eastern countries and the Arab countries, they're persecuted so that they have to live everyday righteous. Basically, they have to be supernaturally protected from these these horrible people out there that want to kill them because it's because they're Christians over here. There's like a different way of disciplining people. And sometimes it's allowing them to get sick. And I went through 17 years of basically not knowing, you know, I mean, I had faith because I had, I had this, all this information. I knew I was going to be used in the last days. The Lord promised me. He says, I'm going to use you in the last days. You have my word on it. And I just stood on that word, no matter what the doctor said. Good for you. That's that's what it takes uh, to know what we know and to be able to use it, to be strong and do exploits. Uh, right. That's what it says in Daniel. It says that they, uh, many will be seduced by his flatteries, meaning the Antichrist, but those that know their God will be strong and do exploits. And that's what we've been given a promise. Now, the thing that gets me is that the way that churches traditionally taught end time eschatology, the Tim LaHaye version, which is so full of, it is so full of baloney, man-made yeah. traditional stuff. And I'm not saying that the people perpetrating it are evil or wicked or anything. They, they don't know any better because they haven't bothered to search beyond, mm -hmm. um, these traditions of men, but Peter said there'd be a great shaking up and everything that was, was not founded on the Lord is going to be shooken up and revealed for what it is. I think we're going through this time. God's trying to take all of us to the next level in faith so that we can be these super end time heroes. God has done a developing an entire lifetime with all of us to bring us to the place and time where we can be the tribulation saints that we're called to be. We're not going to be tribulation saints because we're punished by God for not having walk in holiness and we're left behind. That is, oh God, that is so sick and disgusting. It's so arrogant. It's, it's terrible. Now yeah. I never, you know, as soon as I was old enough in Christ to see through the way a pre-tribulation rapture was presented, I couldn't buy it. Now, uh, Dave, you had mentioned something before last week that, that I believed in a pre-tribulation rapture. I, I did. I wanted to correct part of that because, yes, I do believe in a pre-trib rapture now, but not in any way that's ever been taught by anyone on this planet ever. The one that I believe is biblical, it's sound, and it has absolutely nothing to do with who's good and who's bad, who's being left behind, who's being taken away. There are some that have been called, they're weary, they've done all that they were supposed to do. They're going to go home. God's going to give them a rest. But there's others that he has prepared since the beginning of their life to be end-time warriors. These are not people that are punished and left behind to be, what, the greatest warriors all throughout? If they can't follow Christ now in holiness and purity and rightness and willingness, what makes them suddenly transform into these tribulation saints? Baloney. Yeah. It's not even biblical. It's not even scriptural. So well, there's there's one thing I, I wanted to bring out, and it was I think it was the open, opening of the sixth seal. It says that the angel came out forth to preach the uh, the perfect gospel. the The perfect gospel is going to be preached right before the worst part of the tribulation. Now angels are heads over churches, so it's it's my belief that there's coming an eighth church that's going to be supernaturally protected to preach the pure gospel on earth here. 
during this time of of the beginning of the tribulation. I'm, I'm a pre-rather. I believe the, the the 1,260 days is where the Antichrist reveals himself. After 1,290 days, we can hope for the rapture. And after 1,335th day, it says those who endured to that day, to the end, they shall be saved. And I believe that is the day that we that for sure that we'll be off this planet. And I think the reason Daniel goes through those days, they say, what's the 1,260, 1,290, (laughs) 1,335? I think between the 1,290 and the 1,335th day is that time that we should expect to be raptured because his wrath comes after that that point. His wrath on, on, uh, on evil. Uh, of course, there's all this chaos going on, and the devil's pouring out his wrath, but the Lord isn't going to pour his wrath out on his people. Exactly. And I think well, we'll be it's... supernaturally protected if there is, you know, all these earthquakes and diseases and tsunamis and these things. I, I believe the group are going to be supernaturally protected to preach a pure gospel here on earth as the the last witness, which it has to be a pure gospel because we haven't heard the pure gospel yet, except the early church. Right. Well, and and the thing is that um, in Matthew it says, "And when this gospel is preached in all the world, then the end shall come." So it's it's like when the gospel is preached in all the world. What gospel? The one that you just mentioned. When yeah. it's preached into all the world. Um, you can look in um, Revelation's 14th chapter. The end of the 13th chapter says, and um, the angels, you know, said to uh, thrust, thrust in thy sickle, and the earth was reaped. Then the very next verse, beginning in, uh, now has come the fullness of the wrath of God. Woe unto them that dwell upon the earth, for the winepress of God's wrath has been uh, opened up and poured out. Um, so that's it right there. There's The earth has been reaped. Now the fullness of the wrath of God. You know what? We're not appointed to that. No one's appointed to that. That's that's when game over. So, yeah. you know, however you want to perceive a rapture, I yeah. I see that Satan is expecting he's going to counter with his own rapture. And this is yeah. what I've been waiting for. And, yeah. and uh, he's after Christians. Well, he's, gonna, know, he's not well, after, he's, he's not, flip he's the not coming down here to deceive the people that are already his. He's got to have a chance at the Christians. He's got to have a chance to deceive the elect. Otherwise, you know, what, what's the point of Satan deceiving anybody? Because if Jesus takes them all off, then there is no elect that can possibly be deceived. Well, and, and yeah. so here's the thing. Satan is going to ex- use his own followers, his elite, all of these people that um, are the global elite that we've been talking about. They have a plan. They've got intergalactic plans. They think with their technology and everything that Satan has given them that they've got an easy way out. Um, They don't. They're going to be expendable because Satan wants to flip the switch. He wants to flip the script so that it looks like the Christians didn't have it right. They're left behind. The real big, huge rapture is going to be these New Agers where planes crash in the sky and everything because billions of people in a twinkling of an eye are gone. Now, in the event... They're going to be told to go into a desert, go into a secret place and wait. They'll be lifted up. And some people, it'll be like witnesses to the Damascus Road conversion of Paul. Some people saw lightning and thunder. Some people heard the voice of God talking to Paul. They heard everything and seen everything. Others just 
had a brief, you know, well, they saw a flashing in the sky. They didn't really know what happened. Others got a little bit more and like everything in between. So the same thing is going to happen with that. Some are going to see the ships come over and beam them up. Others are just going to see a flash of lightning and everything else in between. A little more detail, a little less detail. But the thing is that according to what the Lord showed me, is that Enoch walked with God and was not and was taken. Then Noah and his family had to go through in order for the mankind's plan of salvation and ultimate redemption. So that is literally going to be played out in the last days so that there is a real rapture, but it's so very small. We have one to nine ratio. It's a math problem. So you take the one to nine. Um, it was accounted that God, that Enoch walked with God. Somehow we try to make, oh, that must have been special. He, he was really tight and close to God, so God took him, and that's why he didn't have to go through it. But Noah, um, he wasn't so special, but he still had his calling, so he had to go through it too. Noah wasn't left behind because he was punished because he didn't you know, get it or anything. It was accounted unto him that he was righteous also. Yeah. Now that righteousness, he and his his kids were righteous. They were deemed worthy to to continue forward. So both of them walked with God. Both of them were accounted as righteous. Nobody was being punished for anything. And so this same thing is going to play out in the end times. There's going to be a small group. We have a one to nine ratio. So doing that and looking at the earth today, how many people call themselves Christians? Um, and identify as being Christians is like 38% of the world's population. 33 of that 38% say that you have to be born again. So let's say that those that are taught a religion but have a relationship in spite of the religion and those that um, maybe have embraced the gospel message and can speak perfect Christianese but they have never accepted Jesus into their heart. They know about him but not know him intimately. Let's say they cancel each other out. That leaves us with a math problem. With 250 million people are taken in a rapture, and then Satan counters with billions of people in his huge rapture. The one is so small, they have to gather together to find out, hey, what, what do these people have in common? Oh, they all believed in this God that was not inclusive and very restrictive that we now know is not the God of the Bible, but they believed in this God of the Bible, and so they were all taken. They were taken because they were wrong. They'll probably get Rick Warren or somebody else like him to an ultimate apostate to, you know, make some proclamation or explanation of what's going on. I guarantee you we'll have three days of darkness. And on the third day, there's going to be this um, crazy New Age rapture counter. Uh, Satan counters it. He takes all of his people and they're gone. Yeah. And the three days of darkness. I, I, I believe that's coming, too. In fact, uh, what the New Agers say is this is going to be the solar flash. And it's actually something that they say happens like every 7,000 years is that the, the sun gets bright and then it turns black for three days. And, of course, you know, evil loves darkness, and that's where they're going to go on a rampage. You know, I never to, like, stay in our houses, you know, stay out of that. I want to say one thing about Trump, though, is that, you know, Trump is talking about Space Force. And he is with the good guys, the Space Alliance. But, you know, the good guys are just the light side of the force. And so what Trump has been put here to do is to destroy basically the Dark Fleet, the reptilians. And he's got a lot of, of powerful so-called entities behind him. We know that this is just Satan working his light against darkness. 
So what the people are going to see is they're going to see these angels of light coming down here and destroying the dark side. And so a lot of these cabal guys, they're going to be killed. So the whole cabal thing is going to turn into, oh, this is such a wonderful idea. You know, these are good people that are in charge now. And and that that deception, you know, because everybody's going to think, you know, Trump is this great guy. And I like what he's doing, and I'm glad he's doing it. And he's going to clean up evil. He's going to expose evil. But then, you know, actually he's opening the door for the Messiah to come back as this this savior because there's going to be this battle between the light and the dark you know like in star wars and the light's going to win and it's going to get rid of all these bloodline peoples because they're connected to the reptilians so really what we see as good is going to start off as good and we're not going to have that one world government that the cabal had planned because this Messiah is coming back is going to appear to be good. We're going to appear to have all of this new technology, healing technology, free energy, all these wonderful gifts. Everybody's going to be happy. Peace, peace. You know, we're going to have a wonderful future type thing. And it's almost like Hyman is going to be, you know, hung on his own thing that he planned on uh, killing yeah, the Jews exactly. with. So it's, it's the same kind of thing, almost like um, uh, some of the policies that Bush and Clinton have employed is now what Trump is using to uh, promote himself in spite of a world that is against him, you know, left and right. So what he's intending on using for good, I mean, we have Star Wars initiative program that was had been sent up there. That's more than just satellite monitoring. Those are huge parabolic mirrors that can fry anything, anywhere, Mm -hmm. any place. They're genetically linked right down to the individual so they can tag a a person's genes and go and and zap them right off the face of the earth. So they have that kind of technology. So no plane is ever lost and they can't find it. They know exactly where everything is all the time, everywhere. But so he's actually making this space force. But the thing is, it's going to end up what his good intentions are is the enemy's going to use that, like you said, perpetuate this whole crazy thing. But here's another thing I find very interesting. When New Jerusalem descends upon earth from space it's a giant cube uh-huh. all right now looking if you knew how star trek was initially created you would see that the cosmic christ that comes is going to represent the federation of planets he's yeah. going to wear a little star trek com and he's going to warn you that this cube that's coming down is the borg the lord and this is evil. You have to fight it. So the very thing when, I mean, it's being set up so that the space force is going to fight the Lord when he comes back. Yeah. <laughs> but here again, I cheated. I took a look at uh, Revelation 19, and I see that we already won. We already won. We don't have, you know, this isn't some heavenly arm wrestler. God and Satan are arm wrestling with an undetermined end. It's already been done. Everything has been made perfect in his time. Everything outside of time where it's not even that God is anticipating I'm God and I, you know, I'm playing this chess match and and I can counter move anything I want because I'm God. No, it's already been done. It's over. The recorded history of mankind beginning and end in this cycle has already been in the Bible. It's already there. We win. They lose. They lose. They don't believe it. They'll they'll find out the hard way. But you heard about Uncle John Trump. 
Uncle John Trump, uh, uh, tr- Donald Trump's uncle, was Tesla's assistant. And he went in after Tesla died. He's the guy that went in, and he was like this, one of the most brightest physicists at like MIT. He went in and took Tesla's stuff, and basically he's the one that reported back saying, oh, there's nothing here. So there was a lot of stuff there, and you know that <laughs> yeah. that John Trump, clued in Donald uh, on a lot of this stuff. And I think Donald's know about this secret space program since he was a kid. I think that's why he was brought in because he knows exactly what's going on. He just got his chance to do it. We'll, we'll find out what we take very long to to find out. And the thing is that, that all of these things, all of us, yourself, myself, all of the people that, Proclaim to be watchmen, uh, prophets, whatever, whatever you want to label us, yeah. whatever our calling is that God's called us to do in these last days. Um, we're all looking at this from different points. The key to us being overcomers is to be in unity with one another, loving the same God, listening yeah. to him and following him. So we may not get all the pictures and we might have things that look at, even look like they're going to conflict with each other. But somehow. Yeah. They're all pieces to a puzzle. They all fit together. If we work together in harmony and peace, we're going to get it. If we're going to sit here and, and, and maybe be threatened or, or yeah. conflicting with each other or not wanting to work with each other because you don't perceive God the way I do or you don't believe in this, we're never going to get it together. Well, you know, yeah. we, we've talked about a few things, and I thought, you know, if I was a young Christian, I could have picked a fight right there. I could have said, well, I don't believe that, or I believe this, and I'm right, you know. And and I'm mature enough to know we can share things together. We cannot be on the exact same same uh, uh, flow of, of of where we things are things things are going. But that it just comes along with time. It comes along with fellowship. It comes along with talking exactly. and not yep. you know creating division. And, and and I want you to know that it wasn't the secret space program that I spent my most time on, even though I spent a lot of time on it. Actually, I spent most of my time studying the churches. I studied the King James Bible, which versions were uh, from Westcott and Hort, which I believe uh, are the bad versions, and which versions, you know, are more credible, like King James and the Geneva Bible and those that go back more towards the Textus Receptus, more those that people actually read. But then I used that to go on to... um, to research this false anointing, which of course is completely unbiblical. So I spent about 20 years going from you know, the the Pensacola to the Toronto to the stuff that was going on both with uh, Wilbur in California and and uh, all of that crazy stuff that came in just got people ripe to want to be little gods themselves. Yeah, the stuff with. Kenneth Copeland and and all that stuff. It just, it brought in this horrible spirit. And now Copeland goes around saying when Jesus says, I am, he just says, well, I am too. There are these, it's new age. It's this little God. They want to be little gods. They misinterpret the Bible. Well, and, and, and that's it. So the only way that you can have this BS protector is to know his voice and hear it yeah. and and listen and obey. It's God keeps it simple, man. It's so cool that he keeps it so simple. And uh, 
you know, there is a supernatural power, a manifestation of the sons of God that God does want us to bring bring us into. And it is supernatural. It yeah. is with all of the gifts of the Holy yeah. Spirit that are still here for today. I but believe in all the gifts. It's in a, it's it's in a, I think there's very few that are operating in the true gifts. And the ones that are, are operating the true gifts, they, gifts, they don't go around bragging about it or trying well, to pass it on to somebody else because that's not how you get a gift by touching somebody or 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 i guess you could pray for them but it's god that decides who gets the gifts right well and 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 the thing is that that there are guide guidelines or i guess you might say the intimacy that you have with with christ i was just teaching this a couple of days ago that the intimacy that we have with christ if if we are going to play tug of war with the Lord on obedience to him, then God can't trust us to give us a right. bigger scope and a bigger picture. Those that are given understandings of global world events, the only reason they're getting that is because God can now trust them that they're not going to abuse the knowledge that they have. They're going to make sure that everything points toward Christ as being the answer for everything. And they're going to point towards the word. Uh, which is the Bible, as the confirmed answer, the bearing a witness of the Rima and the Logos, the written word and the Holy Spirit-inspired application of that word. Um, that's our twofold witness that, that we are to use. When it says to contend for the faith, when Paul wrote and said that we are to contend for the faith, it didn't mean for us to debate any issue we we reduce it to an intellectual level it meant to bring the kingdom to these people how do you bring the kingdom to the people it's a phd prayer healing and deliverance yeah you, you lay hands on them they're healed you pray for them they're delivered i mean um you know these are the bringing the kingdom to them you're not you're making it very personal you're making it an application you're not just talking about god's greatness you're giving them the greatness as a channel, a vessel where God's flowing through you. That can't happen unless you're willing to listen to his voice, to know it so that you can be the conduit, so that you can be the manifestation of God. You know, it says to lay hands on no man suddenly. Back in the original Greek on that text, it's actually warning us because you are a channel. You're yeah. going to have God's virtue come in through you mm -hmm. to that person. So if you get a... And he's warning that if you lay hands on someone who's not an open vessel, you're going to get a backlash. In other words, it's like a, a gun that backfires. And you're going to get hurt because it's going to be a backwash of garbage that you don't want to have. So don't lay hands on anyone. It has to be someone who's ready, who's an open vessel. If you get somebody who's blocked, you get that backfire that's going to come back on you. It's going to hurt maybe physically. Or spiritually, it's going to be a setback. All of a sudden, you're you're feeling oppressed and you know, and just uh, wondering what's going on. And Lord, why do you feel so distant? Well, you know, you laid hands on somebody that I didn't really tell you to do that. And, yeah, you know, and it's also the people that have their that would have somebody lay hands on them is because I went to a Pentecostal church and I didn't believe they had the right spirit. I just thought there's some of this. Uh, this counterfeit yeah. stuff going the on. Kuntalante, so I, I pray to the Lord and I says, if this isn't from you, Lord, I want you to protect me from this guy. And this yeah, guy, sure go. enough, he put his hand on me 
And he got shocked, shocked and fell backwards. And he said, Whoa, <laughs> did you feel that? And I said, you know, That's I didn't hilarious. feel a thing. He got uh, knocked cool, backwards. Man. And the Lord protected me from whatever false spirit he had in him. And in fact, my wife got touched and prayed on. And she got this demonic thing that we had to pray to get off of her. Because it it was the false anointing. Yeah. She got that spirit of the false anointing. We had to pray and fast and get that thing off of her. You know, and so laying on hands, I'm more afraid of being the person that they're trying to lay hands on. Because I know my hands are clean. But I, these people that go to, you know, these different uh, seminaries and they get their doctorates and they go to their schools... You know, a lot of this stuff is run by Masons. You know, these yeah, these is. people are not yep. real Christians, mm-hmm. you know. Well, or you know, they've gotten the anointing from some guy in, in like Rodney Howard Brown that said, God, if you don't give me your anointing, I'm never going to believe in you and I'm turning my back on you. And, of course, he got an anointing, but it wasn't from God. Right. Now with that kind of an attitude. Yeah. God. Oh, that's, you know, and... and there again, you know, most of, most of some of these new agey kind of things are cheap and easy. And that's what the younger generation especially is looking for. They're looking like uh, the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. And usually the path that leads to holiness is the most resistant. It's the, it's the hardest path. It's one that's going to be a rocky road. It's nothing is free and easy. When you, when you're going to, um, go to a dead saint's grave and suck the uh, energies out of this person into you, the residual holiness, that is not how you get holiness. You get holiness by confronting a holy God and desiring to sin less in your own personal life by obedience. And if you can't obey, then you ask God to work with you, through you, to bring you to a place where you'll hate sin, where you'll see its destructive things, you'll get healed from the hurts, and then you can walk in strength and in power. If you're not willing to do that to to get closer to God, to be used of him, you don't think you're ever going to be used beyond that point. If you can't even do it yourself, God can't trust you with the bigger things of what's going on in your local community or maybe even in the whole world. And right now, God is calling people to go into all the world, which means and this is the end game. This is the end game. God wants, I don't care if you've been following the Lord 50 years, if you got a PhD and you've studied in all the ancient languages, if you don't put all of that at the feet of Jesus, your wisdom, your get, your understanding, and your education, if you don't put that at the feet of Jesus, it is a wall that separates you and the Lord. You cannot take anything for granted. You have to seek in his direction every step of the way. And if you do that, then you can be like Paul. You get the best of both worlds. You get the anointing and you get the the background that you can use to exploit the gospel. I mean, Paul was a Roman citizen. He had a a Greek education and he was a a teacher of the Jews, of the member of the Sanhedrin, seven generations of uh, of a so-called pure bloodline that had to be um, separate from anything forensically being, you know, tainted or whatever. So he was the ultimate in all three major cultures of the time. And then when he got the anointing, he was also ready to promote and be the leader for all of the church to follow. But do you want to really be like Paul? Because, you know, Paul says, well, you know, I was like uh, beaten, like, I don't know, was it three or four times 
40 lashes minus one. So basically yep. he had all the skin tore off his back. He was like stoned to several times, like three times he was stoned. And I think one time he actually died and the Lord had to bring him back again. You know, he went without food and without clothes. He was like uh, cold. He was like shipwrecked. And he went through all these horrible things to get to the place of this this divine obedience to the Lord to where that he could he could go and be beaten and put in jail and sing until his until the chains came off of him. So the thing is, if you want to be used extraordinarily and move into the supernatural, don't expect an ordinary life. You're not going That's to right. get it. You're That's going to right. get Paul's life. Do you want to Paul's you know what? Paul's going to be walking in the inner sanctum up in heaven forever with the Lord. He's going to be in the inner circle. I'll tell you what, I've been in the back 40 most of my life down here on this world, and I want to put my treasures in heaven. I want to be one not just polishing the streets of gold. I want to be walking on that street of gold to the inner chamber with my Lord to be one of his most intimate and closest. So you know what? I think maybe I want to choose the rocky road because it has benefits that are out of this world. All those those stripes and beatings – those are treasures in heaven. I mean, those that's fruit. That's what you're willing to go through for the Lord. A lot of these people are going to get to heaven, and the Lord is going to say, okay, what did you do for me? Show me your fruit. And I got to say, the 25th well, level of halo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know? what did you do for me, you know? And uh, it's like, how can the Lord reward somebody who just said, well, I just wanted to get into heaven, Lord. You know, I did my own thing. I'm here, I believe in you, and I've always believed that was enough. You know, like I'm a good person his, sometimes. Hit his talents, kind of like the guy that hit his talents. Didn't yeah. work out too well for him. No. So, you know, it's it's like, you know, when I'm having this discussion with Calvinists versus Arminius and everything, you know, it's like I, I'm a Calvinist, but I think like an Arminius. And so I have no problem working with both. All my theological background and everything in education has been um, hardcore um, Arminianist, but I'm I am and always have been a, a Calvinist. So I think like a Calvinist, but I act like an Arminianist. Yeah. Um, do the opposite of the T-shirts that says uh, "Kill them all, let God sort them out." You know what? I'll pray for them all and let God sort them out. It's not my job to know who is, who isn't, or whatever I might think of. A foreknowledge, predestination, or whatever. You know, it doesn't matter. These are just terms for a perspective of the way I perceive things. But the way I practice things, I'll pray for them all and let God sort them out. Yeah. He knows who is, who isn't. I don't, and I'm not even going to go there. So people are trying to guess, you know, is Kobe a Christian or, you know, it doesn't, I don't know. I heard a testimony that he got saved uh, the night before he uh, died. I hope so. That's great. Yeah, I heard he took uh, communion with his daughter. Yeah. Just so, hours I mean, that's, before that's getting, on, awesome. that, that's a getting on there. So it's not about. for us to sort out because, yeah. you know, when you first get saved, basically you're blank slated with anything you've ever done. It's better for a new Christian to die and go to heaven than start backsliding and falling away from the Lord. 
you know, because there's only so much of that the Lord will put up with. So a lot of these people that die really young or die shortly after they're saved, God's having mercy on him. I've heard testimonies saying, Lord, why did I die so young? He said, I saw you as a teenager and you started getting into drugs and you turned into turned to Satanism. The Lord knows your future. So if he can take you while you're still hot on fire and totally faithful and believing in him, then you're saved. But if he would have waited years down the road, and this is why I don't believe in the one saved, always saved, is that the Lord wants his people to come into the kingdom. And if he has to let you die sooner, knowing that what your path you're going to take later on, then then that's a blessing because we've heard of of uh, some of these these uh let's see the the some of these people that like started communism or or uh started uh out good in, in some church and turned evil at some point they were really true believers and then the, because of the love of money or the love of the flesh or whatever they turned away from God and actually started willfully working for uh, for the dark side you know so the, you can start off 100% uh, saved and, and uh, really gun ho for the Lord, and uh, the enemy can win you over. I mean, nobody's going to convince me that some of these people that started off working for the Lord, even like Billy Graham, who started off hot for the Lord and then ended up saying and and telling the whole world, if you're a good Hindu or you're a good Buddhist and you don't know Jesus, that's okay. You know, and the same thing, Mother Teresa said the same thing, is as long as you really believe, you know, we're all worshiping the same God. He started preaching that at the end, and that, that, my friend, is a way not to get into heaven, to convince the whole world that you don't have to have Jesus to be saved. I think Jacobus Arminius and John Calvin are trying to address salvation on a one-dimensional level when we have three dimensions. We have spirit, soul, and a body. Yeah. The Calvinists understand the sealing of the spirit, of the Holy Spirit coming into the human spirit. But who is Jim Wilson as a spirit separated from Jim Wilson as a soul? I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not God. I can't separate uh, mind, body, and spirit like he can. But he yeah. can because he's God. But so if the Armenians and the Calvinists would get together and realize, okay, Calvinism addresses the spirit. And the whole purpose of the spirit is to redeem the soul. Arminius got the understanding of the soul. Now quit fighting each other on what appears to be different and see how the two fit together in perfect harmony. If you would concentrate on that, you guys would actually uh, be able to work together and quit acting like a couple of chuckleheads because both of you demonize each other and fight each other and argue with each other when you are told clearly in the word to have love and respect for one another and treat each other like family members. So by this, people will know my love for them. Well, people don't know it because they're not believing it because go into any chat room or discussion room and see the warmth and friendliness that's around there. It's a doggone uh, gladiator uh, uh, boxing match, a fight. It's disgusting. Yeah. Nobody can believe that. That's where we failed. So I believe the Bible says, be not deceived for God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that also shall he reap. That You're going to reap it for eternity. What are you doing with your life now? Are you going around bashing your fellow Christians or are you trying to bring reconciliation and peace and do what the what the Lord said? When this gospel is preached in all the world, then the end comes. You want to see the end come quicker? 
get out there and start witnessing. Get out yeah. there and start being the Jesus that people um, need to see through you by mercy and grace and love and respect for one another. That's what God's trying to bring us to. That's what he has to bring us to if we're ever going to be used of the Lord. But, you know, we're running over time, so we're going to have okay. to wrap it up here. Um, yeah, I can talk I forever, but I am starting to get a little bit weary. Yeah, we're we're we've uh, we've gone eight minutes over. Well, actually, because we started fifteen minutes late. Yeah. That, so you know, we're we're good. Right, guys. Yeah, pump, time to wrap it up. Time never changes. <laughs> yes, pumpkin time. Yep, uh, pumpkin time is what our code word is for. It's time to wrap it up. We're you know going over. You know that Cinderella, she would turn into a pumpkin, or somebody would turn in. Something would turn into a pumpkin. Oh, the, her coach turned into a pumpkin. Yeah. 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 I knew pumpkins were in there somewhere. It had more to do with pumpkin spice, I guess. I don't. You know, <laughs> it's I time to go to bed, man. Time to go I, to bed. I've I've probably gone to about forty churches because I was like bouncing around trying to find a church that was filled with the spirit and didn't have the false anointing. And I didn't want to go into a real dry church. But the thing with me is, like, there seems to be a lot of devils in most of these churches that every time I went in there, it's like, like, it's like the Red Sea separating. It's nobody wanted to get to know me. And I made the mistake early on in some of these church visits to say, hey, let's talk about what the pastor said. It's like nobody wants. He says, well, we already heard the sermon. I understand what he said. And it's like nobody wants to talk about the Bible or Christianity when you go to church. They come there, they listen to the message, everybody goes home and eats. And that really bothered me, you know, about that. Anyway, so that's kind of my last word in there is I want people who go to church to actually talk to people who are going to church and get together and have fellowship with each other. That's right. That's right. That's the only way we're going to do it. Effectively, anyway. Yeah. So. Well, thanks, Rod, for coming yeah, on the Rod, show, man. Um, it's been great. You know, the one thing I love about you, Rod, is that you you understand the spiritual application to all of this supernatural, paranormal technology, whatever it is. You know, yeah. you've you studied all the stuff that that we've been studying for years too, and yeah. um, you bring it back to Jesus Christ, and that's the important thing. That's what we have to yeah. do. That's what gives us the balance. It's what gives us. Uh, the hope and the encouragement to go on. You know, we're not afraid to look at that ugly pill and see what a ugly reality really is. But yeah. the thing that gives us strong is the Holy Spirit flowing through us, doing through us what we can't do ourselves. Otherwise, it'd be a heavy burden. If I didn't know Jesus and I knew all the stuff that I knew, I, I mean, I don't know how I'd be glued together. I, well, I wouldn't. I'd probably be standing on a, uh, a building top waving at the uh, um, the aliens you know, embracing them, wanting to yeah. uh, get beamed up, and then I'll get fried by some, you know, uh, zapped ray like yeah. you know. Yeah, ignorance <laughs> isn't bliss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. what you, you don't know can can definitely hurt you. And I, you. I, I, if I didn't have a firm foundation, the Lord wouldn't trust me with this. And uh, I haven't. I really, I haven't started. This is just putting my toe in the water. I know the Lord has big plans for me later, and uh, you know I'm not going to talk about that or say I'm something because nothing's happened yet. I just know He's He's made promises, and so I have a very hopeful, faithful future in my Lord and my God, and I know He's going to work wonders 
When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. And I believe there's going to be this eighth angel that brings in the pure gospel, and the Lord is going to preach through those who are filled with his spirit a pure gospel and not this garbage we've been hearing watered down over the last two, or I'd say about the last 1,800 years, really. Right, right. You're right. Yep, yep. Okay, All right, fellas. Well, again, Rod, thank thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and, and yeah. getting to hear what you have to say. It's been really neat. So. Uh, you guys have been wonderful. I'm so glad to uh, meet you, and we'll Thank have you. to uh, maybe think about doing it again sometime. That'd be okay. wonderful. Yeah, let's do yeah. that. Okay. All right, man. Let's uh, let's uh, just end in a little prayer. Lord, right. we come before you, Lord, and I, I pray, Lord, that uh, people would be interested enough to see if there's any truth or validity to any of the things that we discussed tonight, but more important that they might see that whatever they do believe, you are the only hope, the only answer, and that you already won the victory. And all we have to do is just accept it. Help us with all the complexities and things that the uh, the enemy tries to make things a mystery that we just got to get more hungry for more mystery. Help us to appreciate the simplicity that is found in you. The peace that passes all understanding that we can have when we're on the verge of total calamity, when we're looking on the doorsteps of a possible civil war in our in America, when we're looking at uh, a possible pandemic over the whole world and all these other things that the enemy has has uh, tried to materialize to create chaos so he can create his order. Help us not to just be deceived in his new order. Help us not to be foolish. Help us to want truth no matter what, no matter how ugly it is. Help us to desire the path that's going to be the most resistant to get the ultimate rewards to serve you, to know you, to be strong and do exploits. We thank you for this show tonight. We thank you for our, our guests. And, Lord, I pray that you'll help bring about your calling to all of us and to all the audience as they have been listening. And they also have a calling that they'll be all that you required them and want them to be, that they can be directed by you, that you can teach them and get them in a willingness to let you use them to the fullest that they've been called at this time, in this hour. We thank you in your mighty and precious name, Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.